Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, Happy New Year. That was awful. Happy New Year. You would think y'all would learn with Tim. Hey, uh, my name is Chris. I'm our Connections Pastor, like Tim was saying. Um, I get an awesome privilege uh, to, to start our year off here at SCC this year. But before I do that, a little bit about me, if we haven't really got the chance to kind of connect a little bit. Um, um, pastor Jeff has been my pastor for the last 20 years. And I know that I don't look old enough for that, but, but he does, right? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. If you're watching, I'm sorry. Um, no, but uh, so I get the opportunity to speak to you and a little bit about me. He's been my pastor for 20 years. He married my beautiful wife who's in this service. Um, he, he married my wife and I, uh, Jessica, and um, uh, we also have, uh, she runs the cafe, by the way. Did, did any of you guys enjoy the coffee? Yeah? You got to clap louder. She's in here. There you go. Okay. Um, no, but she, she, she manages our cafe and the wonderful people out there. For everybody that didn't really get that and you're still kind of sluggish, um, we have coffee in the cafe that can wake you up a little bit. Um, no, so uh, we have a son, six-year-old named Christian. Uh, and he's back there right now um, in our kids, uh, kids' place junior, and he's having a ball. Uh, he always does. Uh, so that's a little bit about me. And... Um, like I said, I get the opportunity to kick off 2017 with you, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. This series is called The Best Year of Your Life, and I can, can I, let me just ask you guys something. Who in here would say, but just a quick show of hands, um, who would like to be successful in 2017? For the rest of y'all, we're going to pray for your ambition. Um, Woo! Tough crowd in here today. Hey, so I was doing sermon research, and as everybody knows, and nowadays that usually starts on the internet. So I was doing um, uh, some research for today's message. And so I was like, you know what, I want to put a poll out there. So I put it on Facebook. Uh, if, you're, if we're friends on there, you probably saw this. And it just asked, what does success look like for you in 2017? Okay. And as you can guess, a lot of people said the same thing. You know, I, I'd like a promotion. That would be success. Um, success in my family. Um, uh, success, uh, success uh, in my finances. You know, a lot of people said that one, okay? So um, some people just said, uh, some people were so nice and they gave me the church answer and they were like, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I'm like, that's what success looks like for you? I mean, I'll take your blessings if you don't want them, you know? But, um, but so, so some people, that's the kind of thing that they said. And, and hey, look, if that's you, God bless you. We need more people like you in the world. But, um, you know, for me, it's like uh, success might be um, uh, our church growing or, or, or all these things. So what I learned about it during that post is that um, success looks different for each and every one of us. What we would consider 
a successful year looks different for all of us. Amen? Like, you don't necessarily want what I want, and I might not want what you want, but we all define success differently. Um, and, and I found this quote. I found this quote, uh, and I don't know who, who said it. I don't think anybody does. It just said anonymous, and it said, almost every successful person begins with two beliefs. And I agree with this. Uh, the first one, that the future can be a better place than the present. The future can be a better place, or it can just be better than the present. And the second one is that I have the power to make it happen. Now, I believe that, and so as I was coming through, I believe that power is in us, and I believe that the future can be. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the future will be a better place. Um, so I, I kind of worked up this message because I want you guys to be able to have the best year of your life as well. That's why today's title is Three Secrets to Success in 2017. Now, I've learned in, in my own Bible study that what's really cool is we have, we have like all the, uh, the, the electronic Bibles and, and the website Bibles, you name it, where you can just sit there and kind of watch um, or read a passage in multiple translations. Have you ever done that in your study? Just to kind of see different ways? Um, you know, maybe you're here and you're kind of a wherefore art thou Romeo kind of version person, or maybe you're here and you like the message where it's like a book. Either way, however you study it, I'm just glad you do. But what I learned is that Every time I choose a different translation, something different comes out or something different speaks to me. And I think that, that that's God's way of rewarding us for going deeper into his word is what I believe. And, and so as I was putting this message together, um, I came up with, uh, I kind of stumbled on something that, that was just profound. And I'm going to share that with you. And in that uh, context or in that content from, from the Bible is our three secrets. So we're going to see all of them here. Uh, we're going to start off today in Matthew 17 verses 14 through 18 in the NLT, it says, at the foot of the mountain. Now, let's just take a pause. I know I got a lot more to read, but I want to pause for a second. Have you ever felt like you were trying to overcome something that was like monumental? Like, like you were just standing at the foot of a mountain and your success was at the top and maybe you didn't see how you could get there? You know, maybe, just maybe, you're there right now. Uh, it could be your relationship with a family member or a friend or your kids. Uh, it could be something at work. Uh, it could be a health thing. Maybe you got a, a, a bad, uh, bad report at the doctor. Whatever the case, maybe right now you feel uh, like you're standing at the foot of a mountain. And if that's you, today I want to tell you that I truly believe, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this otherwise, I truly believe that through the, the things that we're going to talk about today, you can find success in that area, whatever that mountain is, this year. So at the foot of a mountain, at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was, gather, or a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. Well, in very literal terms, this boy was possessed by a demon that had afflicted him with a form of epilepsy that was making him... Uh, uh, harm himself or, or put him in situations where he could be uh, hurt and it continues uh, the dad's still talking here he often falls into the fire or into the water so I brought him to your disciples but they couldn't heal him couldn't heal him Jesus said you faithless and corrupt people how long must I be with you how long must I put up with you 
Now, that doesn't sound like that sweet, feather, fair, faucet-haired, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus on most of the pictures that we see, does it? The one that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside? That Jesus almost sounds like uh, an authority figure, right? That Jesus, that's my favorite Jesus, okay? Because that Jesus means business. That's my favorite uh, uh, aspect of his character is when he means business because that's when big changes happen. And so he's calling his people faithless and corrupt. He's talking to his own disciples. Jesus kept it real, babe. This is what he said. He said, bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. Now, rebuke is like a Christianese word. So if you're not from a church background, here's what rebuke means. It means to like scold or berate right? And you can do that in nice ways, loving ways, but, but uh, in, in the most literal sense that I want to use today, um, you ever heard the expression, you know, I'm calling you out, you know, or I'm calling them out on that as soon as I see them? Okay, when Jesus called something out, it literally came out. It was a demon. It came out of the person. So when Jesus rebuked this demon, uh, this is what we see happen. From that moment, the boy was well. From that moment, the boy was well. Got to tell you, to, to think, as a, as a dad of a six-year-old, now maybe you're here and you don't have kids, okay? Maybe you're here and you don't have kids. Maybe you have a niece or a nephew or a little cousin or, or a next-door neighbor's kid that you kind of uh, have gotten a bond with. Uh, whatever the case, or a little brother, little sister, whatever the case, most of us have some kind of connection to a small child. Now, as a dad of a six-year-old, this passage horrifies me. To think that my little boy, I would say my sweet innocent, but he's a little on the wild side. I don't know where he gets that from. But my little boy, to just to think that every time I got close to, 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 to water, to a swimming pool, to the ocean, to a lake, a pond, every time I, uh, the bathtub even, something right in your home, um, every time I got close to one, I had to fear for his life because he could become afflicted and fall into the water. And in a couple seconds, I'm not looking, something awful could happen. That's terrifying, okay? Um, uh, uh, even, to take it a step further, what about fire? Like every time the fireplace is on, every time, uh, every time the stove or the oven's on, and this demon would afflict the child and make him throw himself into the flames. I don't have to tell you how scary that is and how real that fear is. This father, he had a goal. He had a goal. He knew that if he could just get his son to Jesus, if he could get his son to Jesus, he could be healed. He could be saved. That's what the father knew. He had a goal. He had a goal. And here's what Bill Bright said. This quote is uh, it's in your program. Uh, Bill Bright said this. Uh, by the way, he's the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, if you're familiar with that. So if you haven't heard of him, you may have heard of that. But he said, set goals so big that unless God helps you, set goals so big that unless God helps you, you will be a miserable failure. That's what this dad did. He had done everything within his power, and he knew if I could just get my son to God. That was the goal. The goal was so big that he couldn't do it alone. He had to have intervention from God. Uh, my friend sitting in here, uh, I'm going to embarrass him a little bit. My friend sitting in here, Lee Cato. Everybody say, hey, Lee. Hey. There you go. Um, 
I won't do that next service because he won't be here. But um, so here's the thing. Lee has this thing, and, and, and honestly, he makes me a better person for knowing him, okay? Because here's what he says to his kids about dreams and goals. Um, and I had to write it down because I didn't want to get it wrong, but he said, always dream big, small dreams have small rewards. And that got me to thinking, you know, uh, for a vision, a dream, a goal. You know, it takes the same amount of your emotional and mental energy to dream big as it does to dream small. The same amount. The same amount of energy to dream about something tiny happening in your life or to dream about a mountain being moved in your life. The same amount of energy. That's what it takes from us. And that leads us right into the first secret. Secret number one is faith. Secret number one is faith. The dad had so much faith that he knew again, if he could just get his son to Jesus, he could be saved. Matthew 17, 19 through 20, we're continuing. After the, after the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? He responded, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. What would be impossible? Let's try that like we believe it. What would be impossible? Nothing would be impossible. Faith can move mountains. And I love how Jesus, he always used his scenery, his background to tell a story. He, where was he standing? At the foot of A. And he told them what would move? It's perfect. It's like a preaching illustration right there, right behind him. That's exactly what it was. He told them that, that with their faith, they could move mountains. It's one of my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, illustrations in, in the entire Bible. But just before this, just before this, when they're on the top of the mountain, it's, just Peter, it's Peter, James, and John with Jesus. They're kind of like his, his connect group within a connect group, you know what I mean? Like the inner circle. They're on top of a mountain, and this, is then the, the, this time is called uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay? This is the only time in history, the only time in history that before his resurrection, his disciples got to, some of them got to, got to see him uh, in, in all his glory for what he truly was. That's huge. That's a big deal. They, they, could, they got to, not just emotionally, not like where we say, oh, God just filled my heart, which is beautiful, but they literally got to see it happen. They literally got to see God and Jesus in all his glory, uh, as well as uh, Moses and Elijah were there, and they wanted to build these shrines uh, uh, to, to show the whole world, look what we saw today. Their faith was pretty big on the mountain, would you agree, if that happened? that happened to you, your faith would be pretty big when you saw something like that happen. But you see, what I find is, and, and this is something that, that, that uh, over the last couple thousand years, the church has kind of sometimes dropped the ball on, and that's that we can have all the faith in the world when we're on top of the mountain, but if we never come down off the Mount of Glory, we never meet the needs in the valley. That's what happens, and sometimes those needs are yours. See, sometimes those needs are yours. Now, here's the thing. Nine disciples were left at the foot of the mountain. They were separated from their teacher. It's kind of like, have you ever had one of those weeks where um, you're just waiting for Sunday to get here because you need to be around church people because you just had an awful week? You ever had those weeks? Okay. Three of us, okay. 
So have you ever had one of those weeks? And, and, and that's where these disciples were that were at the foot of the mountain. There were nine of them. They were separated from their source. They were separated from, from their teacher. And it's almost like when they weren't in church on a Sunday morning, they couldn't bring out their faith. That's the spot that they were at. So Jesus wasn't literally saying, you have no faith, because he knows their heart. Jesus is giving an example. Without me standing right beside you, you're not displaying your faith. But again, if we never leave the top of the mountain, we never meet the needs in the valley. Faith is important because it takes faith to meet those needs. I'm going to give you an example of that. Um, uh, a guy that goes to our church, he serves here. His name is Brent. Brent organized a whole bunch of people, and maybe, maybe some of you are in here. The church didn't tell him or ask him to do this. He just organized a big group of people and started going over to the food pantry and serving on his own. With them, you know why? Because that's what it means to be the church. Nobody had to ask him to do this. He did it on his own. And, and, and we've had connect groups go from one home to another and, and go help somebody who couldn't help, you know, who couldn't do certain things around the home for themselves. Because that's what it means to come down from the mountain. James 2.17, as a matter of fact, if you ever walk into my office uh, down the hallway here, if you ever walk into my office, you'll see this on the wall because I need to constantly be reminded, because I'm just as guilty as everyone else. Uh, but it says this, paraphrased, faith without action is dead. Faith without action is dead. Now here's the thing. Next month, 200 million roses. Okay, men, I'm giving you a heads up here. Um, you're welcome. Uh, next month, in the United States alone, 200 million roses are going to be sold for Valentine's Day. Now, that's a lot of roses. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a story. When I met my wife, she had a rose from like every time she had ever gotten roses from like birth to the day that I met her. And she had these little things and they were, they were decorating uh, her bedroom. And it was like, you know, from the little sweetheart dances in middle school, if y'all remember those, and prom and, and all these things and weddings, whatever the case. Um, she had all these little roses and, and, and they were decorative, but they were dead. They kind of look like this one here, if you want to look at this photo. Now, those are pretty to decorate even when they're dead. But I've learned something is that sometimes it's really easy to let our faith get that way. Because when we're on the mountain, it's easy to shine and be beautiful. We're still planted like a, like a rose is in the ground. We're still planted. But when we get away from that, our faith kind of sometimes tends to wane and wilt a little bit. But here's the thing about that. And I told you that to tell you this. Here's the thing about that is that our faith, much like a rose, it's something beautiful, but it was never meant to collect dust and sit on a shelf and now it would never get used. Faith without action is what? Dead. Let's move on. Uh, I have a next step for you here. Uh, we believe in taking next steps because you can't follow Jesus standing still. Um, maybe you're here and you don't have that relationship. You don't have that connection to the source. And maybe your story's like mine and you grew up in church without even knowing, uh, you, you knew all about Jesus, but maybe you didn't really know him. Maybe that's you this morning. I'm going to say a quick prayer with you in just a second. And, and you just pray along with me if that's you. And, and you can, you know, it, it's the biggest decision we'll ever make is to ask Jesus into our heart. But I want to give you that opportunity because this would be a terrible message without it. So I want to give you that opportunity. Would you bow your heads? Father, 
I know that I haven't always lived a perfect life. I know that I've made mistakes. I've screwed up, just being honest. But I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the grave. I asked you to come into my life and help me walk with me and help me to do your will and live a changed life that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that's you this morning, I would only ask that you turn over that connection card that Tim was telling you about and you just check that box because I want to pray for you this week. It's that simple. I want to pray for you this week. Number two, second secret to prayer. Or second, (laughs) just told you, didn't I? The second secret to success in 2017 is prayer. It's prayer. Mark 9, 29 in the NLT, Jesus replied, he was replying to that last verse, uh, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. It can be cast out only by prayer. Psalm 116, verse 2, the psalmist writes this, and it's such a beautiful thought. He says, because he bends down, he being God, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. That is so beautiful. The psalmist is saying, as long as I have a breath to breathe through my lungs, I'm going to talk to my father. And maybe, you know, maybe you didn't have a father growing up, and that's hard for you to relate to, God's there to be that for you. If you you do have a great dad, God's still there to be that for you. It's beautiful. You know, uh, what I'm about to tell you, this isn't necessarily theologically uh, proven or anything like this. This is just an observation that I've made. There are 27 books in the New Testament, 27, and there are 26 references to Jesus himself praying. Now, that's one fewer than there are books in the New Testament. And what I found by that, you know, if you've read the Bible or you've at least read the New Testament, you know that it ends with the book of Revelation, which is the ending. Okay? I know that a lot of stuff goes on there, but that's essentially the ending or the new beginning. Depends on how you want to look at it. But as far as the Bible goes, it's the end. This is just what I've observed. If you put a human life, okay, put your human life, your timeline, up next to the New Testament, when comparing how many times Jesus showed us to pray, which was 26, by the time you get to Revelation, it's too late to start talking to your father. By the time you get to the end, it's too late. I don't want you to miss that. Most of us would say that this year, we want to have a stronger prayer life. Amen? Because here's the thing. Uh, We talked about faith. Without faith, prayer is just talking to yourself. Okay? Okay? And while it might be fun to look crazy in front of other people, prayer is a real conversation with a real father in a real heaven. And it's powerful. As a matter of fact, Charles Spurgeon said that, um, he said that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Prayer is our connection to the Almighty, our connection uh, to Christ our Savior, our connection to God the Father. So I want to give you another next step, and this is a practical next step that everyone can take, whether, you're, uh, whether you just became a Christ follower today or, or it's something uh, that you've been for most of your life. And that's this, I will be strong in my prayer life this year, starting today. And again, that next step's on the back of your connection card. I want to challenge you to do that. I'm going to be there, right there with you this year. Now the last secret, secret number three. 
And this might be the most intimidating of the bunch, and that's this, fasting. Fasting. This, uh, uh, today, uh, as you leave, uh, our wonderful greeters are going to be at the back doors, and they're going to be handing out um, prayer, 21-day prayer and fasting devotional journals. That's a mouthful, isn't it? 21-day fasting prayer journals. Okay. Um, they're going to be handing those out, and here's the cool thing about those. Now, they don't start today, and they don't start tomorrow. Okay, They start a week from tomorrow. So not tomorrow, but the next Monday. And I want to encourage you between now and then to go ahead and start thinking about what's that mountain that you're standing in front of? What does that success look like that you're trying to get to this year? I want to encourage you to go ahead and be thinking about that because when we start that, every day is going to be progress in that. And I believe with all my heart that you can see success in that area of your life through the secrets we're talking about today. I really do believe that. Another cool thing about that devotional you guys wrote it. There could be somebody sitting right beside you, and when you get to day 16, it's like, oh, hey. So you guys wrote the, our church family wrote each day of our, devo our devotional. It's very cool, very cool. So Mark 9, 29, if you read it in the ISV, it's the same verse we just had, but again, as, as you read those different translations and go deeper into your study, it's like being a gold miner. You just keep hitting pay dirt, keep getting these little gold nuggets that you didn't get before and uh, he being Jesus he told them this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting can only come out by prayer and fasting now there's a misconception about fasting there's a misconception that if I give up something like maybe you're from a Catholic background or something like that and, and you've practiced Lent right okay or maybe you just know what it is where it's for a certain period of time you give up something okay I know lots of non-Catholic people that observe Lent because, because it really does, it changes you. And the misconception about fasting is that fasting moves God. But the truth is, fasting doesn't move God. Fasting moves me. Fasting moves us. Because what happens, uh, especially if you're fasting food, now, now here's the thing, maybe you can't, uh, for dietary reasons and health reasons, maybe you can't fast food. Uh, we have some people in our church, they've already said, I've already heard them say, they're fasting social media for 21 days. And while that not, might not seem like a big deal, if you look at the statistics on how many hours a week we spend or we waste sometimes on social media, it builds up a lot and takes up a lot more time than eating, okay? So here's, here's the thing, though. See, fasting deprives the physical, and anytime the physical decreases, it's just like sin and temptation. Anytime the physical decreases, the spiritual will increase for followers of Jesus. Because we're devoting more time to him. We're praying. We're fasting. We're giving up something. Um, uh, we're following in obedience. We're talking to God. We're reading our Bible. And here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Um, just like how prayer is talking to yourself without faith, fasting without faith is just going on a diet. Okay? And today's January the 1st, a lot of y'all have already said, going on a diet, and you broke it on the way here. Okay? I had coffee, so I mean, I did. But here's the thing. Fasting doesn't move God. It moves us. And in Acts 13, 1 through 3, we, we learn something important about fasting. Because to us, it's this huge, intimidating thing. But here's what we see in Acts 13, 1 through 3. 
Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. This Saul would later be called Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. You may have heard of him. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, this is God speaking to them, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more, pre- more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Did you notice there that it, it doesn't say then after they sat down and made a pros and cons list, they decided to do what God asked them to do? It doesn't say that. It says after more fasting and prayer, it's almost like it was an afterthought. It's almost like you're a follower of Christ. This is just something we do. It's, it's something that we do to draw closer to God, not necessarily because we want something out of it. The main thing that we should want out of fasting and prayer through faith is to continue growing that faith in our relationship and furthering developing our relationship with God. But in the process, we need something to focus on. So again, I want to encourage you to choose that one thing. What is it? Is it your job? Is, is it your relationship with your family? Your relationship with your kids, your parents, passing college, passing school, the faith that you can overcome some kind of ailment that maybe you've recently gotten or maybe it's something you've been dealing with for a long time. Whatever that mountain is today, I'm telling you, with faith, you can move a mountain. You can overcome that mountain. I'm going to give you another next step, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Next step I want to give you is I commit to starting and finishing the 21-day challenge. I commit to starting and finishing the 21-day challenge. And I want, to, I want to make sure you get some encouragement throughout that. So I'm going to ask you, if you're going to do that and make that commitment, you know, even if it's just one thing that you're giving up, for that 21-day period, I want to challenge you to turn over your connection card right now and take that step. I want to send you some encouragement. I want to be in prayer for you as we do that together. Now, uh, our, we're about to worship, and, and I would just say, you know, let's start the year off with a bang. Amen? Let's worship like we mean it. Let's worship like we believe God's listening. I want to pray a blessing over you and your family uh, for, for this new year. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and deliver this message uh, to your church today. God, I pray blessings over, over every man, woman, and child here, whether they're, they're in the building or they're watching at home online. I pray for, for, for the nieces, the nephews, the, the grandparents, the grandkids, the next-door neighbors. God, I pray your blessings over all of them this year, the co-workers, the schoolmates, You name it, Lord. I pray your blessings on them in this new year. I pray that they find the success through their faith, that that they've learned the the tools today to do just that, God. Lord, I pray your blessings over this church that will continue to do your work in this community, in the world. Thank you, Lord. Jesus name. Amen. Would you stand and let's worship. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. 
If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.